0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome to United Art, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Colin.
0: I'm Alex. Hey, Alex. It's been a while.
1: Oh, so long. I'm so pleased to uh, be here at Twenty minutes past eleven on a Saturday evening.
0: <laughs> uh, Talked
1: to someone else who doesn't have a life.
0: Yeah, our listener graph has just dropped off as well. <laughs> All the listeners that we've uh, that we've gained who've returned to the podcast in the past twelve months of me being uh, Mia have uh, have gone already. Oh, you think so, yeah.
1: you think they're gonna see Alex on the title and just abandon us again?
0: Or just heard my nasally voice and uh, immediately uh, turned their phone off or threw it at the wall. I don't know some sort of reasonable reaction like that.
1: No, I'd say they'll be absolutely delighted, as I am, uh, to chat to you after a bit of a weird game, um, but certainly not a bad time um, to be a Manchester United fan, given how it's been um, relatively recently. Um, We are recording after a a scintillating 1-1 draw with Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, um, and really a point seems pretty good, Alex.
0: Yeah, it feels about right really, doesn't it? You know, the the game kinda of swung, uh, you know, started with us really controlling the game, not taking our chances. Similar to in, in midweek really, but unlike midweek against Tottenham, their manager reacted to that and, and made some changes. Game swung back to them and then for the for the final third was a very nothing congested game when not a lot happened and, and two moments kind of decided the outcome. So I mean we can probably we can probably yeah. turn off there really and uh <laughs> yeah it's off. a perfect perfect summary um
1: it's funny because i found it quite a quite a ugly watch after like the first 30 minutes essentially it, it was not a good game do you think it's worth it for a 95th minute winner to to sit through that kind of crap does that make it worth it to you in the end that kind of moment of redemption or is would you rather just watch us play good football for more than 30 minutes
0: yeah a, a bit of both i mean we did have more than 30 minutes of good football against Spurs. Like, I was thinking for the first 30 into this game, isn't it great to have us be playing well against another big side and for the second game in a row be playing well in a way where we're dictating the play, we're controlling, um, you know, the direction of the play, the tempo of the play. In the past, when we've had good performances against top teams, it's usually us dictating the play through a low block and counter, rather than through possession and tempo and to have been doing that for two games in a row was really really great and then like you say it got into into the ugliness and, and the minutia of a of a scrappy game at Stamford Bridge and we lost that however Every team and every manager does need one of those moments, and I don't feel like we've really had that yet this season under Ten Hag, and it can be quite powerful. I don't want to position it as some huge anchor that we're going to move from, but I think every team needs to to have that moment where they've stayed in a game, where they've fought back, and where they've got a, a result at a tough opposition ground, and, and that can do a lot for for confidence going into future matches where we fall behind. We know that in the past, when United have gone a goal down, we have you know seen heads drop we have seen confidence lacking the hope is that that this could be a powerful reminder in some of those moments right
1: yeah definitely and also you know it's about the the personnel that are involved at that point as well because they're you know they're like you know, obviously Casimir got the goal but it's it's people that are clearly new to the club but then are assuming leadership roles and stuff like that do you know what I mean for that for them to do that's big for his confidence and his involvement and also I guess his kind of leadership role within the team and i mean we'll get to it obviously with the celebration oh my god um but first thing i want to talk to you about was um a guy called fred he was dropped that's really the only kind of noteworthy point i think about the start of 11 it's it's pretty much as we expected the, you know there's not a great bench there at the moment just with injuries and our, our kind of deficiencies and forward positions so you know even the like of sancho who will come on to who probably did deserve a drop um it it, it wasn't really possible to be honest um, without you know moving Bruno out wider doing something a bit weird so Fred for Ericsson um, or Ericsson for Fred was the only real you know change and it's an interesting one because Fred you know coming off certainly his best performance under Ten Hag he sort of had to work his way in I think as well a little bit surprisingly I assumed he'd have more of a role and um, I thought Ten Hag would really like the way he can lead the press I know he does but it's surprising to me that that still doesn't guarantee him you know a place sometimes um but he's came off an absolute monster performance against Spurs, and then you know yes got minutes in this game but didn't start what's your kind of take on that would you take Ericsson or Fred or do you think they can play together or or what's your what's your starting midfield
0: you know there was a lot of talk about Ericsson being the matter replacement in part because of the age and maybe the position that he's played in the past, but he's very much been more of a Pogba style replacement, and that he's coming in to bring that creativity from deep and to bring that control. And in games where we need that work rate, and there's going to be a lot of pressing, and the midfield gets congested, then we don't necessarily see the best of Eriksen But at the same time, if you take him out of the team, you do lose that creativity and that control. And it's a shame that we haven't yet found a a system and and a trio of players that allows us to have both at all times. Um, you know, I'm com- I'm confident we'll get there. I would say that had we started with Fred today, that first 35 minutes probably wouldn't have been what it was in terms of our possession and control and our ability to to be cutting them open. Not not completely, you know, we weren't creating clear-cut chances, but we were sort of dictating the tempo of play and getting into positions that were allowing us to get some decent shots off. And had Ericsson not been there, the game probably would have started in that much more scrappier frenetic chaotic style and you know had we been able to take advantage of that first 35 minute period better then you know it would have more than justified that that inclusion you know and it's not Erickson's fault that, that we weren't necessarily able to do that so you can you can understand the thinking both ways right and at some point you know we'll we'll probably get a player in that's able to both lead the press whilst also bring bring that control as well
1: yeah, I'm afraid it's just a funny one because like he was so good mm-hmm. against Spurs. You know, total game wrecker at that point. The way he can get about the pitch, the way he can lead the press, the way he can pick up duels and win second balls. And when that goes well, we are we are such a better side. It just isn't always really guaranteed, I think, to, to be that way.
0: Spurs were happy for us to have the ball and to do what we want with it to a certain point. And Chelsea were never going to allow us that, not for 90 minutes anyway, the matter at the start of this game, but not for a full 90 minutes. So you can understand why you would want someone like Ericsson in there. I think it's also worth looking at that Arsenal game where Ericsson was pressed and hounded and his ability to control and dictate the play was definitely diminished to a degree. However, in the moments where it mattered, he was able to... In combination with Bruno, cut them open, and was ultimately key to the goals that we scored in that game. So I think when you when you look at that, you can you can understand the thinking even more.
1: I mean, the thinking that I like is just that good players get on the pitch. You know, technical level matters almost more than anything else. Is what I'm sort of seeing. You know, you see that in the Dalo over um, Wamsack, and not that that's a particularly difficult you know choice to make. Essentially. But it just seems like everywhere there's this focus on, well, you know, technical ability matters. The team has to control the ball. The team has to be progressive. The team has to kind of set up to dominate, you know, and the players he's brought in, you know, Martínez, a ball-playing centre-back, you know, uh, Casemiro, all about control and, you know, has quality there. And Anthony, you know, so good on the ball, so good under pressure, so so good in tight spaces. And I just think, you know, I mean, I think Ericsson potentially our player of the season so far. I've been so impressed with him. And, and I was, again, particularly in the first half today, Um, But I just think that's, again, a commitment to, well, no, look, we're actually going to play football. And for me, that was the big takeaway. You know, say what you want. Obviously, it got very muddy after that. But Chelsea, you know, under Potter so far have just been like that. You know, they're very tough to play against, even though they're not setting the world on fire. They're almost a bit like Spurs, but just a little bit better. But their squad is built to be difficult. It's not like there's not like tons of star quality, but they're just very tricky. But I just think I, I was watching that first 35 minutes thinking, I can't remember... It's very hard for me to think back to when we had this good a midfield, like technically and in terms of how they move the ball, how we were like happy to play out from the back, how we were making you know seeing players make movements in the middle of the park to get free and like sort of get in behind their their kind of first block or whatever and kind of play on the turn and play one touch. Like I'm genuinely struggling to go back and think who actually would be the and I mean the midfield as a whole, you know. Who would be the partnership or the three that last made me, you know, so happy with the kind of level of football as a as as what I think a proper big club should do, and that is that they should go out and play such a way that makes another top four team make a sub after thirty minutes because they're getting absolutely you know annihilated essentially and can't get out of their own half, which is what happened. And even though the the, other, the next sixty minutes were kind of a bit tough, you know, that's that's football, you know, and that's playing another good team, and and we didn't really react to their, you know, Kovacic coming in and changing things, but. Even just that 30, 40 minutes is pleasing.
0: This early on, it's definitely pleasing, especially because it's away at Stamford Bridge and notoriously difficult ground you know, for us and for everybody else. And it's going to be probably since Carrick was in the team that you felt as comfortable. And let's be fair, even, even under Fergie, when have we had someone like a Casemiro? When was the last time we had that type of player? Because he does just bring a settling calmness that we haven't had. I think so many times we've been on this pod together where we've referred to our style as frenetic and chaotic but but ultimately being like a basketball match and there were times against big teams where that worked out really really well for us there were times where it worked really poorly for us right and like I say for 120 minutes consecutively if you take the 90 minutes from Spurs as well to be able to have that level of technical control and capability was great. I think just because it relates, even though it was later in the game, I think we did lose some of that also when Vran went off the pitch. On the last pod, Ashwin was talking about Vran's pretty good on the ball but not amazing on the ball and I do think when he joined the club there was this misconception that maybe he you know, potentially was a bit of a playmaker from centre-back and that isn't the case. But what he is great at doing and what I thought you really saw today is that when he is able to nip in front and pick up a loose ball or get in front of an attacker and take the ball off them and dispossess them, his ability to quickly start an attack and get the ball moving at pace and get it into the feet of the right person can be really, really useful in that transition. And as soon as we went off the pitch, it did become slower and more cumbersome in our ability to you know turn defense into attack and to get on the front foot and that was something that we really missed when he went off to I thought.
1: okay alex what about you and sancho
0: we so many times over the past however many years now we've brought in these players who are clearly fantastic system players they're great in the right system where they're able to connect the dots and connect with other like-minded players. I'm thinking to the likes of Kagawa, even Mata, to a degree, who I don't think... You know, for me, when he joined, he was Chelsea and arguably one of the best players in the Premier League. And whilst he was at Cape United, he never reached anywhere near those heights, as far as I'm concerned. In part because of United, but also in part because those players just haven't suited us under a manager yet. Maybe that's something that a Ten Hag system can bring in the future. But right now, he just feels like a nothing player. It feels like there's not much point having him there on the pitch. He slows everything right down. He's not able to really take on a man. I don't think he's brave enough in what he tries to do. I don't think he's ambitious enough in what he tries to do. And whilst clearly very technically gifted, he just feels like he's much more suited to a city or an arsenal than than a United. And and maybe the direction that United is heading will open that up in the future, but... I guess from a from a mentality perspective and like I said a, a being brave perspective I think is a really important personality trait for United. I do have, you know, some some concerns about his ability to really impact and influence here. Yeah?
1: yeah. I mean, I have huge huge concerns. I'm quite and I don't like to be, you know, knee-jerky or or write players off too early, but I, you know, been he's been, been here a, here a year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's been here a year and a half and I have I just have not seen it. I I am I'm pretty happy. To, to say now, I don't think he will ever be a player for Manchester United, and I would not be sorry for him to leave a, a, as soon as possible. I don't even think he's a starter in this team. Like Rashford, for me, is head and shoulders above him starting as a left winger, you know, and that is wild because Rashford is not, you know, the the standard to pit yourself what, against. What you I'm know? hearing is I just
0: Rashford left wing, Ronaldo up front, right. That's I think that's what I'm hearing. Right, is well, that what I'm hearing?
1: I mean, we'll come on to that. That <laughs> is absolutely not what you're hearing. Um, it's 100 Tony Marshall or indeed uh, Ivan Tony. Sure? Um, in January, who knows? But uh, no, I'm just saying. I I think I'm pretty much done with Sancho. I, it's bothering me now all the time, and, I, and it, it's such a shame. And I, I actually even to your point about him being maybe a City player or an arch player. I just don't think he's an English Premier League player, and I don't mean to say he wouldn't start for the teams in the English Premier League. Of course, he's he's too good to be playing. I'm not saying he should go to the Championship. What I'm saying is he he should be in Italy or or Germany or or Spain. You know, I I just don't think you know physically he is there at all. He cannot maintain a press. There's a lack of effort. There's a a nonchalance and a carelessness with the ball. Even even though he is so technically good, you know, he's a bit of a liability. I have a lot of. Uh, empathy for Luke Shaw tonight who I thought was again I mean extremely good if you look at his numbers just a fantastic game like two key passes the assist for the goal 100% of his duels won. you know up and down and I thought he was sold out by Sancho so many times and as you say there's this kind of there's these little pockets in the game where he picks the ball up exactly where he wants it or someone comes over and plays with him I do think he looks better when Martial's on the pitch you know, I do think he's a 1-2 player. He's
0: a 1-2 he's, a he's absolutely a 1-2 player. Top, he wants possibly, players yeah.
1: absolutely close to him. He wants a relationship with all his players and he will, he will feed off that. You know, if we can't give him that, it, it simply will not work. And I don't actually think, you know, there's necessarily a player worth having that you have to create such a unique and, and, and quite difficult environment in order to see anything good from him at the end of the day, do you know what I mean? I because
0: so- t- two, two points on that. I mean, I hear a lot of people say, well, he should probably be playing number 10 and it's like, I understand why they would think that allows him to get closer to players. It allows him to be in, a, in an area of greater influence. But at the end of the day, number 10 is a position where you are harried and hurried in the Premier League, where you have yeah. centre-backs, big strong centre-backs up and against you immediately. You have... Midfield is nipping at you, fouling you constantly, I don't think that he'd be able to to cope with that. And he hasn't really done anything to suggest that we should really be giving him the chance there. The other thing I would say is that for the past however many years watching United, when most players have got the ball, you're not expecting anything to happen, right? When McTominay's got the ball, when Fred's got the ball, when it was Maguire, you know, whoever it was, Bambasaka, you weren't really expecting yeah. anything to happen unless Bruno got on the ball or... You know, Rashford was getting in behind or, you know, there were these few moments. Whereas right now, whoever's on the ball, I'm actually pretty excited to see what they do with it. Like, you know, even when it's yeah. Dallow, who's picking the ball yeah, up, No, I was about to say, every
1: Alex, time, every time Dallow gets the ball, I am on I'm on the edge of my seat right? at what he's about to do. Like, he is the, looking, the one, he's so confident. The one
0: time where you're not on the edge of the seat is when Sancho gets it because you know that he's going to sit similar to what Pogba's done in the past. He's going to slow it down. He's going to take more touches than he probably needs to. And then more often than not, you know, he's going to get tackled or is going to get intercepted because the team that we've got right now needs to be front for high tempo, quick pace. And that just doesn't suit him. And it's, uh, it's just really, no, a it doesn't. I
1: mean, you know, there's these little, as I say, there's these little occasions when you get him in and around the eighteen yard box, and and he can kind of square up a man or find a little pocket, and and he and he is so clever sometimes with sliding little balls across and he's properly trying to pick players out and all that kind of stuff. But it's just, I mean, you're talking, you're talking two or three moments in a ninety minute match, or or however how long he gets. I mean, he looked really frustrated when he came off today. Like he obviously knows, you know, he's in a big rut and it's not going well for him. Um, but. Yeah, I just question it. I, I kind of question the mentality as well. You know, I just don't know that it's that it's there for no, him to, no to kind of dig in and do those. I yeah. don't. I don't think there's. I don't think it's in him. I don't even think it's that he's like a bad attitude or anything like that. I just think.
0: But there isn't that hunger, Shane. Right? I mean, you look Anthony. at Anthony on the other exactly. on the
1: other flank exactly, and it's since he's come in, it's been such a stark comparison, you know, and that they're they're almost similarish players, um, in kind of just in in a lot of ways. But Anthony just does so much. So much that Sancho will never do, and he, and he and that is it, he will never do. You'll never make him into a pressing monster, you'll never make him really, really combative. And, and there might be a level of kind of technical ability that Sancho has and, and kind of interlinking play that maybe Anthony could never produce himself. But you know, even in terms of willingness to actually drive at defenders and take on shots, I mean, Anthony has. You know two or three shots from outside the box these kind of trademark left foot whippers that we're seeing now you know had another one from the edge of the box today that you just you see that every single game he's making new chances for himself every single game and he's already scored one or two of them you know, like Sancho, what is it he does? You know his
0: shots per game. I think it's been like 0.7 per game, and it's like down there yeah. with like our defensive mids. It's like ninth.
1: No, he is he is up there in terms of key passes yeah. to be fair, but these are he does a lot of little slid balls to the byline, which are really quite nice, and he even overhead a few of those today, which is even unlike him, but you know, that will be a key pass. We're not, it's not really a key pass for us. It doesn't
0: justify a a player to be there. That's the thing. Like that alone isn't enough. And it's not like he's getting through tons of defensive. Like I'm not saying he's a massive liability defensively or that he's not putting any sort of graft in, but he's not offering or standing out there a great deal either. So, you know, if he's not, you know, if he's not really making a difference, like I say, having an impact and, and providing us with that edge going forward or going back, then what's he really there for? Yeah,
1: exactly. So, I mean, he had a a tough day. He came off um, for Fred um, and Bruno kind of moved out to the left, which I didn't think really worked at all. uh, Nick was sort of saying that was what he wanted to see from the start, or some people were saying, you know, push Rashford out to the left start and play Bruno as a false nine. Yeah,
0: like a diamond and then Anthony and Rashford as, like, wide forwards, right?
1: It certainly didn't really work.
0: It sounds great on paper. It was something I wanted earlier in the week to see at some point as, like, an experiment, but it's also something that you know is a very FIFA football ball manager type of thing that worked yeah. in theory yeah. but not really on the pitch
1: and it might work in one game and then you hold on to it for 10 more games even in real life you know like it, it worked once and then we just keep doing it over and over again I didn't really like it didn't like Bruno out there I think he goes back to hero ball out wide mm. and it, it didn't really work he was still a bit better than Sancho to be honest but um yeah and then it got really the game got really bogged down and then really the next notable thing was as you say Varane which was a tough watch yeah
0: really tough I mean, how how old's- Varane, is he 30? Is he 30? Is he twenty nine, thirty, 30, something like that? Yeah. Let's find out. Cause I'm, I mean, I guess this would be his last World Cup, maybe. No, I think this would definitely be his last World Cup. 29?
1: No, I mean, but France have good centre-backs. You yeah. know, like, he will not... Like, he might be at another World Cup, but I think even that's a stretch.
0: You could tell he knew what he had done right there in the moment, right? I think some players are really in tune with their bodies and...
1: Yeah, I mean, I think well, it's it's not even that they're with in their bodies. It's literally it's happened ten times before, and they just know the feeling like straight away, and they're able to self diagnose like pretty much. They're probably acutely aware of whether it's an ACL or whatever else. And, and I also think one of those things is you know, when, I don't even make light of it, but you want know, a player kind of does the floppy dead fish thing, um, which I immediately made me think hamstring, which is what the initial. Reports are now they're not confirmed, mm-hmm. but their sources are saying it's a hamstring issue, which is definitely better than anything else yeah. for that kind of thing, and but can still be a month, you know, which is obviously going to have an impact. But at that point, I don't it might not be fatal for his World Cup, you know, given the reaction that we saw. Obviously, he thought it was pretty bad. I mean, you never really want to see uh a player hiding you know their face yeah. due to their upset and then he was obviously angry and Chelsea fans covered themselves in absolute glory and um, as he walked off the pitch as you would expect
0: despicable but not not at all surprising right
1: not at all surprised. if anything you'd be surprised if they you know if they reacted any other <laughs> way to be honest um yeah. you know it's just it was like water off a ducks back for me because Chelsea and it's just like who who even cares you know
0: but selfishly though, that news. Yeah, and it is as much as it is really sad. And I, you know, I want to see him in the World Cup because he's one of the best defenders. Let's be fair; his stock went down last year. There's no doubting that that was the case, right? When he came to United, he was being talked as one of the best defenders in the world, and he wasn't yeah. really in that conversation at all at the start of this season. I think he's missed... the Harry Maguire effect it's... at the end of the day, <laughs> exactly. And he's started to turn that conversation around. So it's really sad if he isn't there. However, you know, if if that injury update means that he's back for United in the second half of the season, that's huge for us because the drop-off from, you know, it being Lindelof who comes in or or Maguire coming back into the fold if he becomes fit is such a huge difference. It has a big effect on Martinez. It's so noticeable. A huge yeah. impact on Dalo, who's obviously... Like, I think Varane being next to him has been a big part of his form. And just from a leadership perspective, last year I felt like Varane didn't step up, to that effect, but this year, I think he's really shown that he's been setting an example and he'd be a huge loss if we if we didn't see him again.
1: Yeah, he's been absolutely class. And uh, yeah, you know, it's it sounds horrible given how many centre-backs we have on the books, but if he wasn't, if it was like long-term, I'd almost want us to buy in January. And I really like Victor Lindelof. I've pretty much written off Harry Maguire, but it, Lindelof is just, it just isn't the same. You know, it's like, it's okay but it's not, it's not what you need in what will probably be a very tough year to, to, to get into the top four kind of thing. And even when you came on, you, you just see the difference. And I thought, particularly against Spurs last week, I just thought the way we're playing and the confidence that the team have in, I think, Casemiro and those two centre-backs yeah. as a base... Yeah is just is vital. It is so vital because there's players that are, you know, particularly, I think you saw it against Spurs, are screaming around, you know, like Luke Shaw pressing the top left-hand corner of the pitch, happy to go and do that. And and they just have that knowledge that, you know, there is safety behind them. And we just look more solid than we have in a long, long time with Martinez and uh, Varane. And I just think he's just that little bit more proactive, that little bit more dominant um, even though he's not, you know, fully, you know, he's not like a village or something like that, but just, you know, the way he was stepping up and just taking the ball off Kane and getting, as you say, an attack started quickly. Lindelof will try to do that; he just won't do it as well. And you know, God knows what is in 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 the cards for Harry Maguire. Uh, to Inzebe and uh, Phil Jones, the other centre-backs currently at the club.
0: Lindelof is just a a lot more passive, right? And I do worry about the impact on the likes of Dalo, but also De Gea losing Varane and and swapping Lindelof. And what I would say, though, is that I'm much more confident in Lindelof next to Martinez and having Casemiro in front of him. Like, Casemiro obviously protecting and and providing that base and and security and support, but also Martinez being that centre-back who... Does chase and, Can hound be the, yeah, and is the target yeah. and is the aggressive one. I do think that that combination does allow Lindelof to get away with that passive nature a little bit more. So whilst I'm concerned, you know, at least there are, there are some mitigating factors there.
1: Yeah, but I mean, hopefully, I mean, hopefully, the Varane injury just isn't that serious. And as you say, hopefully, it's a bit of rest. And if he does miss the World Cup, then yes, that might be to our advantage. To be fair, um, th- you know, there wasn't really much else to speak about in this game up until McTominay came on to wreck the show, and he he did so <laughs> pretty well. I mean, he obviously came on to good effect, uh, you know, a week or two ago, get the goal. But this was an opposite kind of contribution. A lot of chat about this penalty. For me it's a stonewall penalty and the fact that uh, refs this happens all the time and refs never get it that to me that doesn't matter a jot particularly when there's like there's like a range right so yes this goes on all the time yes sometimes it's completely blatant and and in front of a ref's face and they let it go but it's actually not that commonly this blatant
0: yeah i, I agree because i think usually the aggressor is usually one much smarter in that they are grabbing and letting go and on and off. They're also typically either being grabbed and held themselves or they're at least acting to that effect. Six or one, half a dozen of the other type thing. That wasn't the case here. And it was for such a... And maybe it was just the slow-mo replays because a penalty was given, but it felt like it was for such a long extended period that I think that, <laughs> that just gave the rest of really no cause but, but to give it. Like if he'd have... Held him for just, you know, that very starting move and then that go. And then they both had a run at the, at the ball and oh, I forgot the Chelsea lad's name, but if he hadn't been able to get it and, and was complaining that it was because he was being held at the start of the move, McTominay probably would have got away with it, but he held him for the full duration until the moment where he's on the floor. And I just thought that was really like naive and, and quite stupid.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think broadly, like, I always hate to see it, whether it's penalised or not penalised. Like, I really hate it because I just think you're taking such a risk. And I don't think that risk is reflected in just essentially letting that player have the beating of you. You know, I mean, that player making that run is still like 10 yards out from goal. There's no, there's not even a, there's not even, you know, a guarantee that the ball is going to reach them or even come in their direction. You know, it's he's literally like making wrong this
0: run as well. Why like. oh, exactly, like, you know,
1: yeah, or, or, like, the person has already won five headers in the match yeah, and dominated, sure. and you think, right, you know, this is the only way I can impact this. Like, it's just not that situation. I get it's just anxiety, and Chelsea did kind of start racking up quite a lot of corners and, like, balls into the box and stuff like that, but they weren't really, you know, I think Chalaba hit the bar, obviously. I don't know whether that was what well, it was before, but, you know, I just don't ever think it's worth it, and I think it's stupid. I really do think it's stupid. I mean, I was furious, because I just thought, we've been the better team in a per game here is what I thought up until that point and I didn't think Chelsea were very good value for the lead
0: oh, and I just thought not. that's
1: a very that's a very disappointing way for a team that's kind of on the up and and just getting a bit of positive momentum to really lose it for not, not because Chelsea carved us open or because, you know, you know, we as a team didn't do something right, just because one person made a very bad decision, you know, and, and did something very silly. And then you just gift them a penalty in the 85th minute of a game, you know, and at that time I was thinking this game is done, you know, we will not get back into this now. It's, it you know, it's, it'll just keep going the way it's been being biddy and stuff like that. So I was, I mean, I was not even necessarily like, As a big McTominay, you know what an idiot thing because it could have been anyone. Um, It just happened to be him, but I just think it's always stupid, and I was absolutely raging.
0: Yeah, no, same. And and obviously, I think part of the problem was that we made all of the substitutions we were able to make, and a couple of key attacking outlets we'd already taken off the pitch. You just didn't really see any way out at that point. So to be able to actually turn it around and get something was a big surprise to me. But yeah, was I I just I just felt it was stupid and naive, disappointed in him. But I, I guess what can you do? It's a it's a, a day at school for him. It's a learning a learning opportunity, right? That's what we'll call it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would hope. Yeah, I would. I was thinking, if like I, what I was thinking in like the eighty seventh, eighty eighth minute was like when this game ends and McTominay goes back in that change room. I hope either Ten Hag or some players absolutely tear him apart, you know, and really, you know, cement that piece of learning because that is just you cannot like you cannot give away the team performance like that in that way. And um, but thankfully, not a problem. And You know, not a problem in a big part thanks to Anthony Alanga, I felt, which is not something I thought I'd be saying.
0: He always has an endeavour, an energy about him, right? And and that can count for a lot in a game like this. I think plus also he's got a bit of pace and I do, you know, not to uh, use his positive impact as a stick to beat Sancho with, but just... Having pace, no, go ahead, Alex. Having yeah. pace makes <laughs> yeah. a difference, yeah. right, regardless of the quality of the player sometimes. And, and he was able to use that to good effect. And he did He did definitely have a good impact.
1: No, he did. And it was good to see. I mean, I still don't think he has much of a future Manchester United and won't even be on our bench probably in um, six months. But still very nice to see. Great energy and definitely got us back into it. Definitely created a little bit of spark and impetus, I think, that, that showed the rest of the players, oh, actually, we can get at Chelsea here for another five minutes. And then, obviously, eventually, in, I think, the 95th minute, um, we saw Shaw with one of those kind of, you know, not really out wide, but, it, you know, a very nice ball to, to go from that kind of deeper, less of an angle kind of cross and, and find Casemiro at the back post, who obviously outmuscles McTominay, trying to spoil that moment as well, and uh, gets a big loopy header over Kepa, who almost pulls off a great save. An
0: insane header.
1: Yeah, it's a wild header. He missed, a, he missed an easy header a few weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, he did. If you remember. Yeah, yeah. We, like, we, we just really, ran And it was a big malware. game. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big game. And uh, I just can't remember who that was against. Was it City before it all went wrong? I can't remember. But And I was like, you cannot miss that header. But he, he absolutely made up for it tonight because his header was 200 times more difficult.
0: Yeah. And his celebration, even better, right? Yeah. <laughs> just just see wild. the passion I mean,
1: I mean people will hear it I've got a bit of a bit of a bad throat here at the moment but I imagine Casemiro will as well because he was roaring I mean I thought he was going to cry you know like it was just wild but it's great to see I mean I felt it was a slight overreaction to be honest for someone who's been at the club for five minutes but he really is a wild man I think you know there was obviously when he came I didn't really know too much about him you know I knew like I'd watched him play football those times but I didn't know any of these other stories about him you know studying refs and watching film all day and you know, doing this, that, and the other, and like Real are going to win the league this year, probably. And he's at United. Like it's so bizarre. It is so bizarre. And um, he's just I like he is one hundred percent. I think gonna be a bit of a cult hero if he if he if if we get like two good years out of him. I think he's gonna be.
0: Love. there was obviously a lot of talk about it being for the money when he came to united right because a lot of people who aren't united fans can't see any reason why you would go from a winning madrid side to this united side and i think he answered that pretty clearly that he wanted a new challenge and you know he thought this was the platform to do that still a huge club you know the other biggest club in the world arguably but one that needed um you know needed that encouragement to get back to where they hopefully can get to but I was going to say, like his celebration and that passion shows that it's not about the money, but maybe he's got some huge fucking goal bonus because bonus.
1: You think he's got it? You think we give our DMs big goal let, bonuses? You know,
0: they're not expecting many goals from him, right? So they might be thinking five five mil a goal. You know, he gets one a season, not a big deal. And uh, so yeah, maybe it was that. Um, but yeah, i do done it. It was an amazing header, and he's just been. I think he's surprised everyone in his ability to to contribute not not to like you know the play, but to those moments of frat and, and being the difference maker, obviously, he assisted Ronaldo. He had that header where he just ran through yeah. out of nowhere unexpectedly. He also yeah. had that... He's
1: had a few He's had a few long-shot stonkers. Exactly. He's kind of had a bit on bad luck with the, the post and the crossbar and The stuff.
0: other one would be the Newcastle last-minute header from Rashford. Uh, right? Yeah. That was an absolutely exquisite outside of the foot cross that Casemiro did. Yeah, then, which was yeah. very deserving of an assist, you know, with three assists probably. And, like, I don't think anyone really expected him to... To be bringing those moments to our play. So that he's doing is an absolute bonus. I would say that there is still like a few sloppy passes that I would expect him to I agree. make. And I don't know. Yeah. if. And then I'm I like, agree. am I just noticing that because I have. Such no, I think they're definitely there.
1: And I also think there's a little bit of on the other side. I think there's people who are not seeing those deliberately, if you know what I mean. Like sure. they're just, they're so high on it. And, and I get that, you know, it's, it's very easy to gloss over some of those things. I wasn't actually like his first. Kind of few starts. I was really pretty on the fence, mm-hmm. to be honest, mm-hmm. um, about how he was adapting, and I think that's still basically it—that he is just still adapting. But he's definitely on a on a significant upwards trajectory, and I think he's been absolutely vital the last couple of games, certainly this week. So I'm I'm, I'm more than happy. But I did just I I still have just the, the barest reservations. Not that he won't be good for us, just that he's not as dominant and as kind of otherworldly as as maybe some people are kind of getting very high on if you know what I mean Um, I still see points like, like as as will happen with every DM I still see points where he's absolutely left in the dust you know when he's out of position he's, he's you know he, his whole thing is he reads the game but on the occasions he doesn't you know he ain't getting back kind of thing and uh, there is as you say a bit of, bit of sloppiness on the ball I'm actually I've been really surprised by some of the sloppiness when it's simple. Yeah. And I've been really surprised by how good he is at other times that I wasn't expecting, you know, how creative he can that, actually that's be as saying. well. Yeah,
0: he's brought he's brought the f- fret that we weren't expecting, yeah. his ability to pass through the lines exactly. we didn't expect, but then the simple passes that you think would be routine.
1: Sometimes are just, yeah, are, the ones are, that are a bit off. Making. But, you know, I think sometimes those creative ones and those big moments, I think it just comes from his experience. You know, he's played at like a top club and won, you know, whatever, five Champions Leagues. I think he just... He's just been there done that whether it's the 94th minute or whatever i don't think it really faces him you know i think he's just and, that, and that's that's like worthwhile in of itself just as a commodity to have in the dressing room so now I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing and it was an unreal header um, an unreal way for it to go in i thought i thought it wasn't going to get given is over the line and all that you know so just drama and then we had uh martinez basically going arse over face into the crowd and there's yeah. this unreal photo of him basically grabbing i thought it was i thought it was one of our staff when i saw the photo <laughs> i was like because clearly no one else would be able to get that close to him but he's basically just like gripping a fan by the lapels as if he's about to you know shake him kind of thing um, and roaring roaring in his face i mean can you imagine being that fan oh. being one, like that like one of our way fans like that is that is he's an got unbelievable
0: photo, right? And if he can try and get Martinez to sign that, and I reckon he would, then he absolutely should. Because it's an 100%. Insane, I mean, that is just moment. like,
1: that is once in a lifetime. And it's such a good photo, whoever got the photo, obviously. But Martinez came out with a tweet then that started like, mate, I don't know who you are. And I'm like, the fact that he's even, you know, using the word mate, <laughs> yeah. um, I just, I absolutely adore him. I think I, I'm really a big fan of Bruno Captain, actually. And everyone, like, people should know I'm a big, big Bruno defender. And, you know, even though I see a lot of his faults, I am I'm always. Always quick to defend him because I think he still gives much more um good than bad. Yeah. But like, if not him, Martinez would be my captain. And, and actually, it's it, it in about six months, it might not even be a discussion anymore.
0: He's definitely got that about him. But ultimately, he's already showing that he doesn't need to be captain to be a leader. It doesn't need to.
1: Be, yeah, like yeah. It would, it would make probably influence. no difference at all. Yeah. He
0: he has a massive influence on Daly. You can see it every time that Daly makes a block, makes a tackle. Martinez is straight yeah, he's over congratulating yeah. him hyping him up and, and Dallow's returning that and clearly he's having a huge motivational effect on some of those younger players who are coming through and also because of that nastiness and that bite and that edge that he's got I think he has an impact on the opposition players as well
1: I mean I was desperate I was desperate for Mason Mount to try and you know <laughs> get on his level and, and make something because <laughs> I was like he is gonna he's gonna just destroy him I love the
0: moment where he just, like, walks through Jorginho after that yellow card yeah, as well yeah, towards yeah. the end.
1: Was that the one that was, like, literally about to go out for a throw and he just, as soon as he turned, he just completely emptied them, almost two-footed? Yeah, just loved, well, no, the, just the,
0: loved no, there was another. I think it was just after that where, like, there'd been a, bit of, a bit, been a bit of back and forth between the players and we had a free kick and I think Jorginho was, like I don't know if he was trying to block it, I'm not sure what he was trying to do, just delay the game, or whatever. Martinez just literally walks right through him. Jorginho <laughs> falls to his feet protesting and Martinez just carries on, yeah, like... Yeah. Give a yeah. shit, and um, he clearly yeah. took that goal that we conceded personally as well. He really clearly cares and has a huge passion, and um, I just think he's, I just think he's absolutely class. Like, I, I love him, he's, he's great.
1: It's just mad that like we were obviously going for Timber first, and there was a lot of other names in the frame, and obviously, there was reports that the United staff and uh scouts wanted um the VRL Pautores, um, and stuff like that, and and you know obviously he had a tricky introduction with his height and there was all that media uproar about oh you can't be a five foot nine center back in the Premier league and all this kind of all stuff of, and, all of our old scouts
0: had a five foot ten plus filter on football manager exactly so yeah, they just they just missed him, but... him
1: before yeah. hi friends i just wanted to take a quick minute out from this beautiful conversation about manchester united that me and alex are having and talk to you about united R's newest sponsor FootballPrizes.co.uk. Football Prizes gives you the chance to win the very best prizes the beautiful game has to offer, from hospitality tickets and match day experiences to rare and unique signed memorabilia, Football Prizes offers it all. You can jump on their website, you'll see loads of raffles all ending soon. You can get tickets for as little as a pound or two, and sometimes there's only 40 or 50 tickets being sold, so the chances of winning are super high. You'll see some cool stuff there, and if you do enter any prizes, enter UH10 for 10% off. That's U for United, H for R and Ten for Eric Ten Hag is the best manager ever. Thanks. Bye. It just, I mean, there's there's a bigger piece around like how good our summer signings have been um, and maybe we should just let Ten Hag decide every transfer and, and, and see where it gets us. Because, you know, I was very fearful of that during the summer and I got very frustrated about us just dipping into the Ajax well and and, and not looking kind of more broadly. And uh, I've been absolutely proven wrong so far. And obviously, Arnautovic you know, is
0: uh, or was at least top well, four in Syria, right? <laughs> you know. So, yeah, I uh, mean,
1: he, he probably would have been all right to be honest. Well, I'll ask you this. I'll ask you this. Go on. A over the last month, would you would you have rather had Arnautovic or not? And do you think he would have been starting or not? Um. I mean, leaving leaving his leaving his personality and character, and that you know, leaving that completely aside, him as a footballer, just taking his over quality, the last or two if months. Could just like swap yeah.
0: him and him in Rashford's quality space time style. I probably would. Yeah. yeah,
1: I'm just saying. You know, we are in dire straits, and that kind of takes me on to the next point, which is obviously you know a big talking piece at the moment, but. You know, Rashford's not number nine. You know he actually does an okay job there, but he's not a number nine. Tony Marshall, like, is I think it's his lower back at the moment that he's missed. You know, two three weeks with. He might be back for the next game. He might not. He might just get injured after twenty minutes again. It's very sad, but at the same time, it's hard to for me to really like feel too bad because he's had long enough, and and you know it's just you you need players to be fit at the end of the day. So um, that's a shame, um, but. Rashford makes good runs in behind. He you know, he gives a bit of a press, but not really. But he, like he's a winger. He's a winger. He's an inside forward. He's not a number nine. He gives us a lot in our fluidity and our play and generally, but what's been shown over the last week is that you know he cannot be relied on to finish chances. Sometimes he puts them away lovely, more often than not, whether it's a header or a ball at his feet or you know, Henri against Spurs was pretty much slating him for just being, you know empty headed and not even looking before he hits it and just putting the head down and blasting it but then just hitting straight at the keeper and when he could have just basically passed it into a corner these are things that he will never do you know he just will not do them so you know i think we need to buy in january but then there's obviously the big you know cristiano shaped problem um i i mean i heard rumors that you think that you know, Cristiano Ronaldo has some value to add to Manchester United and shouldn't he well, be starting matches? No, You're basically Piers Morgan. Definitely not the case.
0: <laughs> well, You're all, Kevin all,
1: Peterson and Piers Morgan. <laughs> all, all I said
0: was that. Are you backing
1: Boris, is what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. <Are> You're not. <laughs> Boris yeah. for another 45 days, give it back to Cross, <laughs> uh, and then we'll just recycle and, and work through it. Now, all, all I said was that, you know, there has been talk of. I don't just think that Ronaldo is finished. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I don't really think that this whole, oh, the stats prove that Rashford is way better. You know, Ronaldo's had really limited opportunities. It's a small sample size, you know, two of the games with the Brighton and Brentford that we've written Mm -hmm. off for everyone else. And then he's kind of come in cold at various times. I thought it was pretty good when he came on against Arsenal. He's pretty good against Everton. I think those two moments where he's accepting of that squad player role, and he's able to contribute. You know, he's willing to contribute to the team. I thought sh- he showed in both those games that he has the capacity to still add value to Manchester United. The the barrier that we've got to doing that is Ronaldo's ego isn't allowing him to accept that role. So if Ronaldo isn't able to accept that role and he's doing ridiculous things like, you know, walking off the touchline in a game that we're winning, which completely undermines his point, which is one thing that I found bizarre the other week, the other day, then obviously we're not able to do that. And I think it's getting to the point where, you know, we should be thinking about just cutting his contract and releasing him. But what I would say at the same time is that Rashford's got three goals this season. Now, I think if Ronaldo yeah. played all the minutes that Rashford had I think we would be worse in the table I don't think we'd be better off I do think he'd have more goals than that so whilst I I am yeah, not, like, not this and is, I, yeah. and I'm, and that's why I do think that it's the right decision from Ten Hag to be playing Rashford over Ronaldo I just yeah. all the only thing I questioned today um was I don't think it's like this insane opinion for someone to think that Ronaldo could be a better option. Because I actually think no, that I mean, Rashford's I, I, been incredibly average in a lot of ways. Yeah, we do need to I agree. We do need to upgrade that position. And, and actually, he's mostly just benefiting from comparison than from what he's actually contributing on the pitch.
1: Well, I mean, Rashford is benefiting from, it's a bit of the Danny Welbecks. With him, we play better football, but he is no good, basically. It's not to say he's no good, but he's, you know... He he allows us to play a different kind of football. He offers something different. But his link-up play is nowhere near as good as Martial's. His hold up play is nowhere near as good as Martial's. His finishing is nowhere near as good as Martial's or Ronaldo's. And he can't hit the ball either. It's sad. So, you that know, Martial but at the same is the, time is
0: the candle that we're <laughs> we're holding things to. Right? <laughs> it really is sad,
1: and it's not where I thought we would be until he lit up preseason. I mean, pre-season, and also right? I just just well, not just preseason, Ox. Um, per minutes played in the Premier League, he has more goals per minute than uh, a certain Erling Haaland. So you know, I mean, who would you rather have? I ask you, uh, but you know, I just. I'm just so done with Ronaldo oh, that it almost, it, it, it he could be turning in worldly performance and I would actually still want him to leave for so many reasons. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm with you, you on know, that front. Don't, like, don't disagree. And, and the other thing I think is, you know, your point is very well made around, you know, he would have more goals and we would be worse off for it because that is exactly what happened at Juventus. You know, he went to the Juve team the, the, the year before, scored 90 goals and won something. And they scored sixty goals, but he scored thirty. You know, and it's, this is what always this is what this is what the the whole team changes and sub subjugates itself so that Ronaldo can can have goals and 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 you know get get you know personal accolades and things like that and I'm just so done with it. Also, you know, before he went off at Spurs, he was just wearing this hideous diamond earring cross dangly thing, and I find that really offensive as well. They like a smile I to just, the cameras. It's just. There was the antics of him going up to, you know, the I think the you know, Gary Neville and and then not Jimmy Carragher and Roy Keane and all this. It's just the Ronaldo show and I am so done with it. And you know, Anthony's spoken out and, and spoken well of him and obviously he has a relationship I'm sure with Rahan and Casemiro and you know, he's I'm sure he's well respected but I actually just think in many ways this is all it's it's not helping us right now in terms of our season
0: Well we have created Rod him back though at the end of the day like Ronaldo's whole career has been defined by him being self-serving and what can he do to further himself his profile his career and ultimately his legacy because we decided to bring him back to the club at the tail end of that we're bearing the brunt of that. Usually most clubs will benefit from that because he's been such a fantastic player. But that that's not the case anymore.
1: I think it's just so unpalatable. I think it's so unpalatable. And and this is what we saw after. I mean, it's not only obviously Piers Morgan and uh, Kevin Peterson, um, you know, speaking Ridiculous. out on his behalf. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Like, honestly, like, I mean, there's a lot of things, you know, the, the British government, but there's a lot of things lately that are like, what world is this a simulation? Yeah. But, you know, one of the things that I find so unpalatable and that even pushes me even further into the just, you know, just I'm not even basing it on football reasons anymore. It's the ex-pros. You know, if, as you say, if Ronaldo could accept his position as a 37 year old second striker, then there probably wouldn't be a problem. And he probably already have 10 goals and we'd be looking a lot better. But when even, you know, Roy Keane and, you know, whoever else in commentary is saying this is one of the greatest players in the world. He's not one of the greatest players in the world. He's one of the greatest players ever. It doesn't make him currently one of the greatest players in the world. It's simply not true. He
0: is still you know, rated no. 89 on FIFA Ultimate Team. Just, just so <laughs> yeah. you know. okay. Just, just you know, just he, finished,
1: so you're he finished 19th or something in the Ballon d'Or list. And even that is ridiculously generous. You know, it's just... You cannot, you know... And and yes, he could go to a different team, possibly. He could go to City, maybe, and score 30 goals. He's still... It's not there. Watch him play for 90 minutes. The touch isn't there. The the fitness... Or not the fitness, but the pace isn't really there. The finishing is the only thing that remains. The only thing. Everything else is is below average. When
0: it's Avra, when it's the likes of Avra, I completely agree. Or or Rio, because they're mates, and there's clearly a relationship there, and they're clearly trying to protect him and be loyal. With Keane, though, he's not one... I mean, he was pretty generous to Wally at times to be fair, but he's not someone who's starstruck. It's not like him and Ronaldo going for dog walks. And I do think that when it's with Keane, it is as simple as and he's been quite clear on this. The striker's there to score goals, he would score more goals. The rest of the team then needs to adapt and do their job better to enable and account for that. And and I that's where he's coming from. And I do think that's genuine. The other thing I would say is that whilst walking off the pitch and, and refusing to come on is a really stupid thing. It's wrong. It should be punished. It should be dealt with it's not some unclimbable, uncommon backable thing on its own in isolation. And, you know, when people are expecting Roy Keane to be the one upholding that quality, this is a man who walked out of a World Cup who regularly scrapped with teammates who didn't talk to Terry Sheringham for a good few years for no reason at all. Our expectations around the qualities and standards that those people are holding are kind of imbalanced and at disconnect. I think what the qualities that they would uphold is the commitment to training and the dedication and what, what they do on the pitch more so. and
1: Yeah, I, but, you know, I don't even mind. It's not even those. It's, you know, if they're saying, oh, he's a model pro, oh, he works harder than everyone else. He's first in the training ground, first off it. And, oh, he's just a, a born winner and he just has great personal pride and he hates, you know, being left out and he just wants to play every minute and score every goal. You know, I don't really mind that defense of saying this is why he's behaving like You've an got absolute child. You've
0: the pitch, right, as well.
1: It's exactly, yeah. it's when they watch him on the pitch and still say, oh, he's one of the greatest, you know, he's the greatest ever, you know, he's one of the top three players in the world and all this kind of stuff, and just, you know, he has to play, how can you not, yeah. can you not no, start him? I totally ridiculous. agree with that.
0: What I don't get, though, with Ronaldo is, one, why did he, if he's going to do that, why wouldn't he have done that against someone, like I say, do it in a game where we're losing, where he <laughs> hasn't been brought on, where we've struggled to score, to do it in a game where we're 2-0 up makes no sense at all. But that's
1: it, because he honestly thinks... If he sits and watches us play crap, he will be pleased because he's like, if I was on it, we'd be winning, and I will come on and save you. Everyone love me. When he watches us play good football, I swear to God, he hates it. He hates it because he's not involved, and he's also watching Rashford miss chances, and he's sitting thinking, I would have scored a hat trick. That'd be another three goals in my tally. That would take me to, that would take me to seven hundred and sixty four, which is two behind. You know, that is literally how he thinks on, and it's pure. I've never, I've never, I think, seen anyone or any sports person as egotistically driven in such a, you know,
0: I don't know, like tiger centric way. Jordan and- is what is?
1: I don't even think I don't even think he that touches the sides, no? to be honest. You know? No, I really don't. Fergie. I really, really don't. You know. Yeah, Fergie's a bit of a psychopath as well, but <laughs> I don't. I really don't think so. But I just think it's mental. It's
0: one of those things, though. It's the same. It's the same ego that's got him to where he is, right? The 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 annoying thing is, and and I don't worry for Ronaldo. He definitely doesn't need anyone to worry about him. But like at the end of the day, all of this is about he wants to, like you say, get those few extra goals to prolong his legacy and one but he's tarnishing his legacy with his behavior here, and it's. I do think it will have a lasting impact. At the end of the day, people remember the end of players' careers. We've seen it with Rooney, with Owen, like uh, that's just in terms of their ability. So one, his diminishing ability, I do think a lot of people will remember, and that brings their overall opinion of his overall top level and peak down. I do believe that people do that. And then secondly, his behaviour will impact their perspective on him being that absolute model pro. And I think that's something that you need to be really careful and mindful of. Do you think we should cut his contract?
1: Oh, I would, I would do it. Tomorrow. I would do it. Abs. I would do it tomorrow. Yeah, hundred percent. Not only just because it's a, it's obscenely high for a player of his stature. There's talk that he might go to Chelsea. I would be delighted. That's like a Trojan horse, as far as I'm concerned. It's a master stroke. I do think I was going to say earlier, there's an element of the shit show that I'm actually happy with because I think it's been so good for Ten ah, I honestly think We've it's it so good. I think, well, well, in a sense, but. To begin with, it was very difficult. So we had to navigate that pre-season issue. He obviously, I just think it's very difficult for anyone to manage you know, Ronaldo and to kind of cater to that ego and to kind of walk that tightrope of placating him, not causing dressing room issues, not being seen to slight him. But also, I think deep down, Ten Hag will have known from quite early on, we're better without this guy. But you can't, it's almost political. You know, it is almost political in terms of you can't just say, you can't just necessarily come out and say, he's not doing it anymore or we're better off without him. You have to kind of engineer the situation where everyone comes to that point of view. And I'd I'm not say that Eric Ten Hag has engineered it, that sounds a bit Piers morgan but what I'm saying is Ronaldo has given him the perfect, you know, canvas for which to then make his own statement and his own kind of, make his authority shown to the squad, to the media, to the fans, and to make his ultimate decision of selling or dropping Ronaldo so much more easy and so much more palatable for everyone. And Ronaldo's handed that to him on a plate
0: I guess the one thing is that if we do cut his contract that might be rewarding Ronaldo's bad behavior that might be ultimately what he's seeking right and I do wonder just there's a little tiny part of me that thinks is that a little bit of a dangerous precedent to set
1: I don't think so because you're talking I mean it's such a unique situation where you're having a you know a like a player of that stature, I know we've just slated him for ages, but yes, he is obviously one of the greatest ever players. He scored, you know, a ridiculous amount of goals. You're not going to be in that position with Marcus Rashford any, any year later because
0: Tavares disappearing like it's. No.
1: You know, I just think there's very few people that can can substantiate that, and I also think it's just the mature thing from the club. I think it actually just sets a good precedent that you know we will simply cease to employ you, yeah. and I don't think that's what footballers want really. I think there's a very small, as you've listed, you know, some. Players find themselves in very peculiar situations where that becomes desirable. Broadly, I think that's a that's a black mark, you know. And Popper
0: could have um, cut his injury list down in half if he'd have just walked off the pitch a few minutes earlier. Though it
1: seems. Hundred so. percent, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So credit to him, um. But yeah, no, I think it's you know, as you said, there's a there's a world. Although I think it unlikely where you know Ronaldo accepts a bit part role or he just finds really good form and we learn to play in a way that we're still able to dominate while sort of carrying him if you know what I mean and he's able to convert chances that we create for him and you know if that happens great and um, I hope it. it's not that I hope it doesn't I just hope we actually move on because I think it's just better for the team to move on I think it's you know better to to buy a striker that you're interested in in January or wait till the summer and or, or get Martial back and try something different. I'd just, you know, I'd much rather see that. We
0: absolutely do need to reinvest that money though. I'm, I'm a bit worried that we've already reinvested the Ronaldo money and uh, that would be my yeah. only concern. Like if we don't bring in a forward in January and we let Ronaldo go, that's really worrying oh no that's
1: super i mean that's super super tight and i think you know i'm not necessarily sure we've already spent that money in the sense that we we cleared a lot outside of ronaldo mm-hmm. off the wage bill during the summer you know in terms of a, a far few big ones obviously pogba most notably the lack you know all on decent enough wages so i think i don't know that we've gone ahead and replaced even though you know i don't think anthony would be on huge wages and things like that so and um, casemiro maybe but um yeah w- we definitely need to buy it's just is January the time to get a meaningful striker, you know, um, and then who would that be? But that is 100% a discussion um, for probably uh, while the awful World Cup's on. Yeah. Where's the
0: Gala these days?
1: So, yeah, well, you say that, but, you know, could you could do worse. You could do worse. Um, we have uh, Sharif sheriff however said, said um, on thursday evening which is actually relatively important i mean i don't think you know, be finishing top of the europa group isn't actually really in our hands anymore even if we um win out the rest of our games due to just the way it's gone for us and that's a bit of a shame because um second place might land you with some fairly decent teams um although look it's only the europa league you have to beat them at some stage
0: ronaldo hat trick all forgiven is where i'm at well listen
1: that'll be all right but you know if, He's not winning any. He's not winning any prestigious awards. Scoring goals in the Europa League, like so, I'm happy enough for him to to, to spend his time playing in the Europa League. It's not, not a problem to me. But um, the games are super thick and fast, so you know we need to rotate, and there isn't really a whole pile of other people there. So we'll see. And then obviously West Ham returning the Moyes on Saturday, so we will aim to record again. Um, if the Sheriff game is particularly noteworthy, or more likely next weekend. But until then, cheerio
0: from me. Cheerio from me too. Thank you for listening to United Hour. Remember to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at United underscore Hour. Please take the time to leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. United Hour is brought to you by the Sports Social Network and our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch, please email unitedhour at gmail.com. Sports Social
1: Podcast Network.